Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, now on the C-Suite Network. Very excited today. Actually, more than very excited. I am overly excited. I'm amazingly excited because on Amazing Business Radio, we have Dan Burris. Dan is one of the foremost experts in technology and forecasting all types of innovation and things that are happening in the world. And specifically, his latest book, which if you're actually listening to this episode on the day it's coming out, Today is the day that the anticipatory organization comes out. The anticipatory organization turned disruption and change into opportunity and advantage. And this is by Daniel Burris, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, best-selling author, uh, truly one of the gurus in predicting what's going to happen in the world. And when Dan and I were talking, we're good friends. We've known each other for years. We're actually in a mastermind group together. Uh, we were talking about this. I said, Dan, I'd love to help you with the book. How much of this has to do with customer service, customer experience? He's a Shep. Everything. It has to do with everything. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my good friend, Dan Burris. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, we've got tons to talk about, and I know you and I are going to talk uh, only for about oh, 25, 30 minutes, but we could probably talk for hours. But let's first of all talk about the genesis of this book. Where did it come from? What's it about? Why should everybody get it? And why specifically does it tie to customer service and experience? Well, first of all, uh, we are living in a world of change that's moving at an exponential rate. Technology is driving it. And uh, so if you're going exponentially fast in the wrong direction, you're going to get into trouble exponentially faster. <laughs> it helps to know what direction you're going in. Secondly, reacting to problems and digital disruptions, no matter how agile you and your organization are, is no longer good enough because agility is really reacting fast to something that's already occurred. So, Shep, if you think about uh, the customer and your focus, and if you think about anticipatory customer service, it's different than reactionary customer service, agile customer service, because that's after the fact. And what I want to do is get ahead of it. Uh, and so what the book does, the anticipatory organization, and it sounds like it's for a company, but of course it's for individuals in the company. And it's about how to predict problems before you have them. So you can pre-solve them and not have them in the first place. By the way, that's a really big one for uh, customer service and customer care. Secondly, it is about how to accurately predict disruptions before they disrupt, which turns disruption into a choice uh, rather than a default that you just have to let it happen. And third, it allows you to see the game-changing opportunities that lie ahead, and in this case, to redefine and reinvent customer service. You know, I was just uh, talking to uh, CEOs of banks and they were worried about what's called fintech. You know, that's the oh, new right. technology that's mm -hmm. disrupting banking. And I said, well, look, you know, the last time I went to a bank, and I hardly ever go to banks anymore, was for a notary public, and you didn't even make any money on that. And when I do go in, it's really boring. In other words, they're ripe for disruption. And either that disruption is going to come from the outside in, causing them to react and close more of their 
uh, banks, or they're going to be anticipatory and say, look, disruption is the new norm. How can we disrupt ourselves? How can we redefine and reinvent the customer experience? And by the way, as long as I'm talking about banks and, and doing that, I worked with Dutch Royal Bank a couple of years ago up in Canada, uh, made it like an Apple store. This was a branch bank that was they were about to close, turned it around, and right now the parking lot is constantly full, and they're doing more business than they could realize, but it doesn't look like what they used to do. Well, people go in they're being thinking they're going to buy a computer, and they end up getting a, a checking account. No, I'm just <laughs> – no, <laughs> yeah, but that, well, it, you it know, is the was, experience no that makes people – yeah, exactly. right, right. I mean, that's the whole thing. Today, I'm thinking to myself as you're talking uh, about the bank. And by, by the way, I, I, there's, I've already written down two or three questions. We're probably going to go beyond them, and I don't want to circle back. But I'm looking out my, my office building, and uh, one, there's one building between me and my bank. Literally, I'm going to say 200 yards. I buy, probably go into uh, – you know, you're right. Notary Public is the main reason I go to the bank. I don't deposit anything at the bank anymore. You take a picture of your check, and it goes in. And if I want money, I just go online. I pull it out money from one account to the other. I can go to an ATM to get actual hard dollars. Uh, why do I need to go to the bank? But here's the interesting thing, and I've just written about this in a book that will be coming out next year uh, about being convenient – Bankers' hours are still bankers' hours. They call them that because they aren't convenient hours. They're what are they open from nine to five when most people are at work? And if you decide you have to go to the bank, you got to go at lunchtime. There's usually a long line. If you want to go on a Saturday, too bad they're closed. But there's some banks uh, that have said, "Hey, let's turn that one on its ear. Uh, we'll be open on Saturdays. We'll even be open on Sundays. And hey, we'll stay open till six or seven o'clock at night." And I think that's anticipating a customer's needs. But I still believe that if they don't watch what's over their shoulder, which is all this technology that's happening in the financial world and fintech, as you mentioned, I think they are going to obsolete themselves. Well, so let's talk about applying uh, some of the principles in the Anticipatory Organization book to how they could uh, really create new value. And let's invent that future form right now and show you how easy it is. Okay. So part of what I talk about is there. there's no shortage of trends. The key is which ones are going to happen. And this is based on over 35 years of research. And basically, there are two types of trends. There are what I call hard trends. Those are based on future facts. They will happen. You can't stop them. But the good news is you can see them coming. And then secondly, there are soft trends. And when it comes to soft trends, they are based on an assumption. Unfortunately, some people assume those things are hard and future facts. So the good thing about a soft trend is if you don't like it, you can change it. Let me give you a quick example as it relates to healthcare, because I was just speaking at a major healthcare conference, all these CEOs of hospitals, and they're trying to deal with the increasing cost of healthcare and because they're seeing it going up, up, up. But the reality is, that's not a hard trend future fact. That's a soft trend that you could either let continue or you could do something about it. And what would I do about it, Chef? I would use technologies that are in place right now to transform in healthcare, purchasing, logistics, supply chain, bring, uh, uh, use a little blockchain in there and get transparency and honesty about pricing into healthcare. And you know what you could do? You could lower the cost of healthcare tremendously. In other words, you got to look at what is the hard trend versus the soft. Now let's relate this to the customer 
and let's talk about retail and brick and mortar. Um, if you are a CEO of a brick and mortar retail outlet and you and your future view, which is part of the anticipatory organization, if your future view says uh, the good old days of brick and mortar are behind us, you're going to be like Sears and close 170 something stores. Right. But if you think the good old days of retail are actually ahead of us, they just don't look like the days behind us. You might uh, you might end up buying Whole Foods, uh, which of I know. course we know Amazon <laughs> did, and they're also opening up uh, all of these other uh, uh, bookstores. That's amazing. So in other words, I think when we look at the future, we're using our past perspective. It's like looking into a rearview mirror, and there's a reason your rearview mirror is not nearly as large as your windshield. What I'm doing with the book is teaching a competency, a new competency. One side of the coin is being agile. I like that. There are things you can't predict. You've got to be able to react fast. But the other side of the coin is being anticipatory. Uh, let's face it, uh, did the guys who came up with the idea for Uber or Airbnb, did they use agility? Well, no, I wouldn't help them at all. Nope. Uh, so, but, and, but using the principles of the anticipatory organization, they could have seen it, and then they also would have known if it can be done, it will be done, and if I don't do it, someone else will. So then I just ask myself, so is artificial intelligence, Jeff, let me ask you, is artificial intelligence and real-time analytics, is that something that's a fad here today, gone tomorrow, or is that increasing exponentially in its power as the price drops in half every year? And well, is that answer, a hard trend or right, trend? That's a hard trend. I mean, I see exactly. AI so is happening means, around us, and we talk about AI on the show all the time. So the, the key is, how can I use AI to transform the customer experience in a store without having to own a super supercomputer? And the good news is, thanks to virtualization, you don't have to. As a matter of fact, it's amazing how much you can use AI right now without having even a big budget. People think, hey... I need a really big budget to use artificial intelligence. But one of the principles I teach in the book is take your biggest problem and skip it. And by the way, the way you can skip your biggest problem is your biggest problem is ill-defined. It's actually not accurate at all. If you were looking at the real problem, you would be able to quickly solve it. So there's a method to peel the onion back and find the real problem. So you have, you're thinking it's a fact that I can't afford AI for my operation, when in reality, that's an assumption, not a fact. If you did some research, you could find you could do it. And you could re, uh, redefine then loyalty and get away from a static loyalty card instead of having, instead having a personalized dynamic loyalty card that uh, is in everyone's uh, smartphone. Not just static, but dynamic providing value. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stop you for a second cuz I want to know what uh, what how can you say that AI is inexpensive compared I mean maybe it's just we have a perception that it's that high and we're just thinking wrong or is that a fact that uh implementing oh. an AI solution into uh even a small business is not nearly as expensive and is actually a reasonable cost Hey I'm doing it right now uh, and I'm not a giant company Is this really you I'm talking how? to yeah, 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 yeah. Let me just tell you how you can do it. Let me let me make this real for everybody out there. Let's take a look at Amazon and their uh, Alexa uh, 
you know, on the Echo. Right. That's mm-hmm. a $99 device. 99 bucks. And, of course, you don't own the supercomputer that is the intelligence behind Alexa. Amazon did that. So what did Amazon say? Well, Amazon said, you know what? We'll provide you for free some guidelines on how you can use and take your database connected to Alexa and have it work for you in your company. And, by the way, we won't even charge you for that. Here it is. And uh, secondly, uh, if you don't want to buy Alexa, you could actually take the chipset and put it in any device you want. So what do you do? Well, first of all, you get yourself a kid. That's what I did. And uh, <laughs> and that kid, exactly, get yourself a kid. Like a and high school kid. program that thing. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, hey, if the high school kid, chef, are too expensive, get an upper elementary school kid. <laughs> and what I, and I'm serious. And And what I did was, uh, took frequently asked questions and uh, and problems and things that have, and then people can use Alexa to ask those questions and get answers. And then when it is a question that's beyond what Alexa does, it automatically transfers you to a customer service person in the office. In other words, how could that work in retail? Now, let's take retail. What if you were in a giant uh, store trying to find something? Um, what if they just had those little things uh, every now and then and just say, hey, where where is the uh, Kohan shoes and do you have any size 10? And they could tell you immediately. By right. the way, that didn't cost you nothing. Amazon said it's free. So I'm just giving you a quick, very right. quick. And there's a lot of good things. Of you think you can. Right. All right. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Let's yeah. take a quick break. And then when we come back, you've got another. I don't want you to stop your train of thought. There's so much there. But I just want to remind everybody again the book is called The Anticipatory Organization by Dan Burris. That's B U R R U S. You can get it everywhere. But today, why not just, as soon as we're finished with the show, go to Amazon.com and pick up this copy? Dan Burris is one of my favorite authors. I've known Dan well, and he's also one of my favorite people. But before he was one of my favorite people, he was one of my favorite authors and speakers. I saw him speak probably 20-plus years ago for the very first time, and he caught me then. He got me interested, and I'm still interested. The guy is brilliant. So the anticipatory organization comes out today if you're listening to the show today. And if it's a month from now or even a year from now, I'm sure you'll still be able to get the book. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, talking with Dan Burris about his new book, Anticipatory the anticipatory organization, I was going to say anticipatory customer service, and that's what we're really talking about. You know, one of the uh, thoughts I've always, I think it's great, is when I'm watching a server in a restaurant can anticipate uh, a guest's needs. Uh, they, they, they have a water pitcher, and they're always there before the water gets to the bottom. They have to fill it up before the guest has to ask for it. Now, you may call that proactive customer service, but the best servers, they have it. It's an innate feel. But what Dan's talking about is it doesn't have to be a feel. It doesn't have to be a soft trend. It can be such an obvious 
hard trend. We were talking about uh, Amazon, and Amazon is getting into retail. They bought Whole Foods. They're putting in bookstores. Uh, they have a, a food store that's called Amazon Go, which which has it's like a convenience store on steroids and has some really cool technology tied into it. But here's the point. Uh, Retail as we know it. That's what Amazon did. They disrupted it. Now they're getting into retail as we used to know it. And I think that's pretty cool. Dan, there's so much we can talk about. Uh, let's go ahead. You were, you were, we're talking about technologies. What are the other technologies that, uh, are going to be, I, for lack of a better term, somewhat disruptive or what we can anticipate are coming down the pike that we need to take advantage of? All right. Well, first of all, let's just talk about, uh, you mentioned the word proactive. Let me give you a new word that is being anticipatory. What I want us to do is to be preactive to future known events because we think the future is completely unpredictable except for death and taxes. But the reality is there are not just 10 or 20. There's hundreds, hundreds of things that we can do. For example, to answer your question, uh, how about uh, uh, not just uh, artificial intelligence, but uh, virtual reality and some of the things that you can do with that, well, that's, that's expensive. That takes wearing special uh, goggles and you can't even walk around and you can't even see. But if you take a look at uh, AR instead, what you're doing is you're overlaying data over your phone and soon your glasses. In other words, uh, and I'm talking about AR meaning augmented yeah, reality aug- i was going to jump so in there augmented what, reality yeah mm-hmm. so so for example a quick way to do it would be what if i could be in manhattan looking for something and i just hold up my phone and i ask it a question saying you know where is the whatever i'm happen to be shopping for and it could show me the store and whether that store has what i want or what if i am in a a large store like a Kmart or a Walmart, and I'm trying to find a customer service person. Why don't I just take the app out that the store gave me, which is part of my loyalty app, but it's better than a loyalty app because what it does is it shows me the exact aisle that I'm in and where I'm in. I'm the little green dot, and it shows me the little red dots are the customer service people. All i got to do is touch it, and they'll be alerted that I need help and come over to me right away. Uh, you see what I mean? That you could do so much with that, and we're about to get glasses that don't look geeky, but look like regular glasses. And all you have to do is touch the earpiece and move your finger towards your ear or away from your ear, and it will overlay the data that you're looking for, so that you can get prices and all kinds of information. What am I really talking about here? I'm you're saying, talking about a world that I only dreamed of when I was a kid. <laughs> well, exactly, but. But we're there now because, you see, we're at a unique tipping point, inflection point that we've never been in in human history. There is more opportunity ahead than ever before. That's why I wrote this book, because most of us are looking at the fog, which is the news, and not seeing the mountain, which is all the opportunity in front of us. And the mountain for customer service is to actively redefine and reinvent everything everything. In other words, how do I dramatically elevate the customer experience? How do I take what's happening with returns, for example, and make it a profit center? How can I take uh, any, uh, any touch point that we have with a customer and not only exceed their expectations, but surprise and delight them? Well, we have tools today that used to be out of reach or even impossible to do, 
that we can use for this. But here's the problem, Shep, and let me give our listeners an action item so that they got something they can do other than buy anticipatory organization books. I would like our listeners to take one hour a week, unplug from the crisis, stop putting out fires, stop looking at today because today looks more like yesterday than tomorrow. And in that hour, I'd like you to ask yourself, what am I certain about? Are you certain about nothing? And you'll start finding all sorts of things you're certain about. For example, hard trend. 78 million baby boomers are going to get older. They're not going to get younger. Well, what are the opportunities around that to create new redefined experiences? You see what I mean? So look at what can you be certain about? Tie that certainty, that trend to an opportunity. Because I don't want anyone listening to this to ever look at a trend and not know whether it's hard or soft and not tie it to an opportunity and then pick one of those opportunities and make it happen. Because here's something I don't I want us all to never forget. If it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone, someone else, else will. will. <laughs> and what I've done in the book is helped you to see, so what can be done? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, that's why I wrote the book. Do you think that maybe doing this exercise with two or three people or a small team is more beneficial than doing it on your own? Kind of brainstorming like synergistic, the sum is greater than the parts? Absolutely, absolutely. And just again to help us with this, there are three categories of what I call hard trends. These are these future facts, these certainties. And by the way, certainty gives you the confidence to make a bold move. If your personal or business strategy is based on uncertainty, it's got high risk. If it's based on certainty, it's got low risk and high reward. So if the three categories of hard trends, we'll make it simple, are demographics. I mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing how you can see the future when you know more about where to look in that demographic bucket. The second one is government regulation, which usually shocks people. But it's amazing how you can find amazing opportunities when you know how to look for them within regulations. And thirdly, it is technology. And you and I have talked just a little bit, just scratched the surface of that. And, uh, again, all of that can be redefining and reinventing. Well, I get demographics knowing, hey, the baby boomers are getting older. That's a hard fact. I get technology. Uh, We see it before our very eyes. We just don't realize that we can take advantage of it because we haven't done the research to realize we can go on the Amazon platform and use Alexa, and it won't cost us anything because they want us to use it. Government regulation, though, that's kind of freaking me out. (laughs) Tell me about how we can take advantage of that. I surely will. When we hear about a regulation, we come up with all the things we don't like, and the list is endless. One of the principles I teach in the book is opposites work better. So instead of looking at what you don't like, look at what you do like. Let me give you a specific example. Um, In January, there were 1,000 laws passed in the state of California. And one of them said uh, within three years, all kindergartners and first graders in the state of California, half of their reading has to be nonfiction. Hmm. And right now it's all fiction. And when you hear that, you start getting all upset. Why would they do that? That's stupid. Don't they have more important things to do? But a 28-year-old teacher in San Diego saw that and made three phone calls, called the San Diego School District, the L.A. School District, and the San Francisco School District, and said, hey, you've got three years to get half those books to be nonfiction. If I supplied them, would you be interested? To make a long story short, Shep, they said, yeah, we didn't know how you'd do it. They underwrote her company, became a guaranteed customer. She didn't have to go on Shark Tank. 
<laughs> and and I'm so gonna my bet, point yeah, is, I mean that's that's I'm just giving amazing. you wow. There's so right. much opportunity. And that's looking at something from the other direction, and that's because a government regulation was passed and figured out how to get around it. And I'm going to bet there's a lot of kids reading some amazing true stories about people that are inspiring to them. And you know, when I when the first thing I thought about non, it's got to be nonfiction. I go, oh my god, are we going to teach these kids what's going on or what we're listening or watching on CNN? Uh, but instead, no, something much better than that. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, Dan's going to share with us a few more great ideas on how your organization can become more anticipatory, specifically in the area of customer service and experience. Again, the book is called The Anticipatory Organization, and it is out now. You've got to get it. Don't, uh, what do they say? Do not collect go or do not collect $200, do not pass go until you get this book. All right, you're listening to Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. Chef Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.chefondemand.com. Once again, that's chefondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Dan Burris. Dan, uh, at the break, you mentioned something called a time travel audit. I'm skipping, uh, we've been talking about just now, anti or the opposite of you know government regulation, how you can learn to like it instead of dislike something that's happening, think a different way. We've been talking about predicting problems, predicting disruption, so many different ideas. But you have this concept called the time travel audit, and you feel it's extremely appropriate for our world. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Well, absolutely. And again, I'm not. Uh, when it comes to regulation, I don't want you to learn to like it. What I want you to do is look for the things you will like, and you'll find a way to make money from it. So coming back to time travel audit, that's one of 25 strategies on how to become anticipatory. So here's what I'm talking about. Uh, right now, you or I could go along the Amazon River and be with people that are living as if it was a thousand years ago. They got blow guns and spears. You can go back a thousand years in time. You can also go into some companies today and feel like you're going way back in time. Um, matter of fact, you can talk to a person and be time traveling back, but you can talk to a person and be time traveling forward. So what if you, and this is what the book teaches, you could do a quick audit of where a customer is in time, past, present, or future. If you're a future-oriented salesperson, for example, or customer service person, and you're talking to someone who's past-oriented, all they'll do is their eyes will glass over, and they're going to hunker down and think that you're way too far out to do them any good. What if using the techniques, you can jump into their time zone with them and walk them into the solution. So I think a lot of customer service is a disconnect because we've got people with a past, a present, or current um, you know, view of the future, and then you've got people that are from those different time zones that don't know how to talk to them. It's kind of like another part of the book that I teach is uh, how to end the war between the young and the old to provide anticipatory customer care because we got young people and when they come to do and talk to someone who's older uh, there's a disconnect they don't know how to talk to them right and when somebody's older they don't know how to talk to the young ones 
But the book covers exactly how to end the war and how to maximize working together in a new and powerful way. And why? Because I can anticipate that that's going to be a bigger problem unless we pre-solve it. And uh, by the way, remember, pre-solving predictable problems is how to be anticipatory. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm going to get back to this concept. The moment you mentioned the word time uh, travel audit, I'm thinking, and I want to, I mean, I get being able to look at my customer, listen to my customer and adapt to where they are and their time style. Like you talk to my mom, she's scared to death to give you a credit card number on a website, even though it says it's secure, even though the company's uh, amazon.com, she hates putting her credit card out there. And that's old school thinking. I get that. You can adapt. However, how can you discover where you are? Because I would imagine any company that can do a time travel audit, if they recognize they're in the past, has got to figure out, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble. We need to move at least to the present, if not to the future. Well, exactly. And not only that, Chef, but in mergers and acquisitions, because they don't do a time travel audit, usually the company with all the money is past. They acquire the future and dumb them down to the past because they didn't do the audit and figure out where the jewels are. So getting back to answering your question, by the way, in the book, it does help you figure out where you are, where your team is, and where your company is. But to make it really quick, um, if you're the kind of person that when there is a new device out, you don't wait for your company to get it. You get it anyway. You love getting all the new stuff and don't even mind paying the higher price to get the new thing. You've already got a 4K uh, flat panel uh, TV didn't wait for them to go down. You're probably more future oriented. Those that still have a vacuum tube television are probably more fast oriented and they probably have a flip phone and they're probably still <laughs> using film. Uh, so, you know, and then the, and if you're present oriented, you get the new stuff when your company provides it for you, but you don't get it before that. And you aren't very excited about the future. It looks like the good old days are behind course, that's a past-oriented person. Uh, If you're liking today, but you think tomorrow looks bleak, you're probably a pleasant-oriented person. And if you think tomorrow looks fantastic, you're probably a future-oriented. You see, there are a number of ways that you can go through and figure out where you are, where your team are, where the various members of your team is, where your company is. And then there are specific strategies to move those, all of them, forward so that you can succeed faster. This is about accelerating innovation and transforming results. That's what the anticipatory organization does. Wow, and there's so much that we can do uh, at at virtually any type of business we're in, whether it be a solo entrepreneur, a large, huge Fortune 100 company. We've got to start thinking uh, with anticipation what's coming down, not just for our company and our industry, but what our customers are expecting. If you can start to predict where your customers are going, what you can do, and you can meet them at the next intersection and not try to get back to where they were a mile ago, I think that's huge. All right. We're down to uh, basically out of time, and I always ask the final question, the one thing question. Is there one thing that you can think of that you can share with us that you haven't talked about or one you want to reiterate and emphasize because it's that important? What would that be? Well, in giving uh, customer service is our focus. Stop giving your opinion. I'm talking to everyone that's listening to this right now. Stop giving your opinion. If you give me your opinion, you know what I'm going to need? Another opinion. Give me a fact. I don't have confidence in that. Yeah. What I want you to speak in is future facts. 
because when you say a future fact, they know it. They don't need to read a giant PDF to get convinced. And again, I'm teaching you how to do that in the anticipatory organization. That's why I want you to get this book, because what I want is certainty, because let's talk about selling and closing for just a minute. Uncertainty opens the door to a sale. Nothing better than a confused customer. But the ultimate closing tool is certainty, because if I'm uncertain, I'm going to check something else out. I'm going to ask somebody else. But if I'm certain, I have the confidence to write a big check. I have the confidence to say yes. And if it's part of a team, I have the confidence to make a bold move. And actually, I realize that saying no has got more risk than saying yes. So when you're starting to think about what can we anticipate customer needs, stop thinking, well, we can guess at that and start realizing, actually, you can pinpoint it. You can actually see it when you learn how to see. And that's why I wrote the book. I would say pick up a copy of Anticipatory Organization so that you can stop just reacting and being a crisis manager and learn to be an opportunity manager and get ahead with the confidence certainty provides. Amazing. This is why we call this Amazing Business Radio. Dan Burris, author of The Anticipatory Organization, Turned Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. This book, Beyond Customer Service, will help you in virtually any and every area of your business. And as an individual, it will help you be a thinker to turn you into a leader, to turn you into the person that everybody goes to for answers because you'll have them. Hard answers based on fact, future fact. Again, the Anticipatory Organization. You can get it everywhere. Dan, thanks a million for being on our show. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you. All right, everybody. That was another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And until we meet next week, remember, always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.